Welcome to Mentions of Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And we're back after a short break. A uh, few things have happened in the book world. Yeah, so we've just had uh, the announcement of the Man Booker Prize, which is one of the most prestigious prizes in um, English language literature, I think it's fair yep. to say. books in general, really. Um, and we've also um, just had the release of La Belle Sauvage, which is the first part of... Philip Pullman's new trilogy called The Book of Dust and it's not a sequel to his Dark Materials it's uh, been described as an equal so quite a lot of it is happening alongside the things that happen in his Dark Materials Yeah, I think I was under the impression it was a a prequel it was set, you know, 50 years before or something but it's interesting to know that it sort of runs alongside um, they do suggest that you read start materials first right um i don't think there's any suggestion either way necessarily i think a lot of people have a lot of people have done rereads or trying to read it before reading the book of dust but actually having read la belle sauvage i went and picked up my copy i actually took two days holiday went <laughs> and picked up my copy on thursday and um have now finished reading it um i would say that in terms of things that you might not understand, it would only be the same sort of things that you might not understand if you were reading Northern Lights for the first time, Which for I example. Have been. Yeah. So you know, if you have read Northern Lights, then that's great, and you're you know, or, or that first trilogy, that's you know, you, there will be references that you understand, and there'll be names you recognise and so on. But if you hadn't you would just be meeting the characters for the first time. And there'd be some concepts that you would hear about, but you might not, like they aren't fully explained in that book. But then that's kind of the same as in Northern Lights, that there are concepts that are mentioned, but they don't get fully explained, but you just know that they're important. Hmm. And that it's, you know, there's something going on behind the scenes kind of thing. So to be honest, I think if people want to read it, but they haven't, like they don't want to read three books first in order to be able to read it, I think actually you're fine. You could perfectly easily read that as your first book set in this world. And then you can go and read the His Dark Materials trilogy afterwards because I think they will both fill in gaps for each other. Interesting, because I've got my copy, but I'm about 100 pages away from the end of The Amber Spyglass. Yeah. So, um, you might as well finish that, to be honest. Oh, I, mean, I was planning to, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, taken me by surprise, actually, I think, how much I enjoyed it, if that makes any sense. Mm. Um, very rich world, very detailed world. I've really come to care for these characters. I have a horrible feeling it's not going to end well. <laughs> but there we go. We shall wait and see. Uh, I might take a little break in between going straight on to the next one, just because I've got other things to read for work. But... Um, have, has he said that the next one will be out next year? Are we getting one a year? Do we know that? Um, I don't think it's necessarily one a year, but I think um, he'd done a lot of the writing before the first one was published, so it's not going to be like a 17-year wait this no. time, no. which is nice. Um, I I really, really enjoyed um, La Val Sauvage. I won't give away any spoilers about what happens, but just basically I will tell you a few things that are just in the first sort of chapter or so. So the main character um, 
is just quite an ordinary um, pop boy in a pub called The Trout, just outside Oxford. Um, and like similarly to some of the characters in His Dark Materials, you know, he's not like magical. He doesn't have any like special talents other than the fact that he's quite brave. He's very curious. Um, you know, he's not like a genius or anything like that. He's not, you know, doesn't have anything distinguishing about him that other children wouldn't also have. But I think that is kind of the point of a lot of the books that um, Philip Pullman writes, that actually um, it's where people work together and cooperate and share their different skills. That's where people really make things happen. And also that really ordinary people can be interesting people who do exciting things you know you don't have to be some great lord or whatever um and, and that's in what we would call like lyra's world he has a demon. yes yeah right so okay. this is yeah. this is in lyra's world right. um so yeah he's in the sort of alternate version of oxford where lots of things are similar but also other things are different so um, in that world, um, the church is very, very important and influential, and it dictates it dictates a lot of what people are allowed to do. It influences the way that people carry out science and all sorts of things. Um, I don't know. I think it some of the things in this actually reminded me almost of, of like the world of the Handmaid's Tale, where people are encouraged to actually like snitch on each other if they're not following these sort of um, rules of these almost like political religious organizations um, so it's quite scary and actually I read an interview with Philip Pullman this morning where he was talking about how um, you know some of the stuff that's happening in the world now did make him perhaps emphasize that aspect of this world which is there in his dark materials but perhaps it's just not quite what's at the forefront um but it's it's very much there in La Belle Sauvage and um you know he he sort of helps his parents in the pub and so on there's there's a girl called Alice who also like comes in and does some work there with him um but in his spare time he um goes and helps out at the um nunnery which is just over the river from where he is over the bridge and um they take in this little baby uh because you know for, for whatever reason we don't exactly know um and it turns out that this baby is baby lyra oh right yeah and i won't say too much more but basically um considering what I've just said about the sort of quite difficult political situation in that world at that time, um, interesting adventures ensue, basically. <laughs> um, and also the fact that there's the river there, that becomes very important as well. Um, because that La Belle Sauvage is actually the name of um, his canoe. Oh, right. Didn't know it was a canoe. Yeah. yeah, the name of his boat. So there we go. Oh, so that becomes. Right. I knew it a boat. I didn't realise it was, it was just a canoe. That becomes important as well. Ooh. So there we are. Um, but I, I really, really loved it. I think it is. It is maybe a bit sort of darker, maybe a bit more political. Whereas the first three his dark materials books 
are maybe more sort of philosophical, mm. if that makes sense. Um, but it has the most incredible, terrifying villain. Um, it's got lots of really interesting characters, just like the original trilogy has. Um, it's got lots of kind of spying and espionage, again, like the original trilogy has. All those sort of things that you would expect are there. Um, and also it's, well, I suppose something that I really enjoyed and you don't get that much of in His Dark Materials is there's quite a lot of um, British sort of mythology and folklore, mm. which was really lovely. Whereas in, in His Dark Materials, they're off and off travelling in other places. So they go off to the north or um, to different worlds even. Um, but this is quite, um, yeah, quite sort of British and mythological in places and I, I really enjoyed that as well I thought it was really beautiful well, I can imagine you did yes <laughs> yes it just just sounds like your sort of thing yeah. yeah but yeah I don't I don't really want to say too much more no I don't want you to either um, because I don't I just don't want to give away sort of any big plot points um, but yeah I think it's exactly what people have been waiting for I don't think anyone's going to be horribly disappointed <laughs> having waited a long time I think they'll be really pleased I really really enjoyed it um yeah excellent mm. really good news and there's there's loads of Philip Pullman interviews and also there's lo been loads of stuff in The Guardian um he was on Six Music today in their paperback writers sections so that's probably on iPlayer somewhere if you wanted to listen to that that's good fun so yeah, loads of loads of Pullman stuff to get your teeth into at the moment. Oh, and in a couple of weeks' time, he's um, got another book out, which is non-fiction, um, a collection of essays about writing called Demon Voices. Oh, yes, I'd seen this mentioned, actually, yes. Quite fancy the sound of that, so I think I shall probably be purchasing a copy of that. Uh, so I've always enjoyed Stephen King's on writing, mm. which is a bit about how to write, but also his his sort of personal take on it, so is it? Yeah. A bit similar to that, then. I don't really know. I don't know that much about it. I just, um, but I don't think I haven't ever read any nonfiction by um, Pullman before. I like literally other than just his interviews with people mm. and so on. So I'm just really intrigued to um, read it. Like you know, th read his thoughts in a little bit more detail. Excellent. Right. Well, that was released on Thursday, mm -hmm. but then was it Wednesday night? Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. It was the Man Booker Prize 2017. So you were at a Booker party. I was. I was very kindly invited to go along to the Penguin um, Booker party. Uh, Vintage didn't have any titles on their shortlist this time, um, but Penguin had two. They had Exit West by Mossin Hamid, and they also had Autumn by Ali Smith, which is the first part of her season's quartet, which is supposed to be very very contemporary novels so you know there's only sort of a month between finishing writing them and publishing them mm. type thing so they're really really contemporary um but the prize actually went to lincoln in the bardo by george saunders and i had not realized this is his first actual novel yes it's been short stories before hasn't it yes um so i was watching it at home trying to watch it at home didn't really manage to watch it at home, mm -hmm. thanks to the BBC News Channel sort of oh cutting gosh. out at possibly about the, the exact moment that you didn't want it to cut yeah, out. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they then went back and saw his speech, and luckily I knew what he looked like. Yeah. So, 
Well, there were, yeah. I can tell you there were a number of people at the Penguin Party because at these sorts of parties, everyone, you know, the music goes off, you put the television on, you all watch the uh, live stream. And, yeah, suddenly the live stream went off and it, people were kind of chatting a little bit over the um, critical discussion, as those critics always seem to be quite mean about the They do, don't they? They always... It's like, I hope you're not talking too loud because the people you're talking about it's right down there's that balcony. And also, you can't really give a book too much of a kicking if it's down to the last... In ten minutes, it it might win. You're going to look a a bit stupid. Well, indeed. But anyway, um, so yeah, we were sort of chatting over that a little bit and suddenly we look round and there's a sort of report on terror attacks in the UK or something. We're like, this is a bit weird. I don't think this is supposed to be here. And then we realised they'd lost the feed. Um, and then, uh, you know, this chap in a T-shirt and jacket appeared on the screen saying, right, now we take you back to the Guildhall. And um, then there was George Saunders already up on stage. Mm. Um, so we missed the actual announcement and he was already into his speech. Um, and yeah, quite a few people at the Penguin Party were very confused because they don't actually know what he looks like. Because you don't necessarily see pictures of these authors mm. if you don't publish them. So they were like, well, it's not Ali Smith, so I guess it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, we, you know, you could sort of narrow it down. Um, and they knew it wasn't either... But, I mean, I think some people still thought it was the person who was presenting the award, course, you see. Of yes, um, yes. Yeah, so that was not ideal. But, I mean, we've had these things... Was it two years ago where they lost all the sound? It might something have, yeah, like the sound is cut out or, or something like that, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, you know, the traditional technical hiccups, but anyway. Um, so, I think there's been some people who absolutely, absolutely adore this book, who completely love it. Um, but there are some people who I know are not that big fans of it, which is interesting. It's not written in just a normal prose style. It's written almost like a script. Um I wonder if maybe the best way to, um, you know, consume it is as an audio book, perhaps. Oh, that's true. It might be, yes. Because it's almost, it's almost like a play for voices, like Under Milk Wood or something. Mm. Um, but there's always one that, like, sort of the form people get sniffy at. I mean, mm. All That Man Is. Yeah. Is, I'm sorry, a collection of short stories. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't care how you want to try and dress that one. Maybe we need something that will acknowledge the um, the merit of short stories in mm. a prize. Because I've, I've read some absolutely astonishing short story collections lately. And I think it's a shame that they, they can't get... Because, I mean, there's no reason why a short story collection isn't just as worthy of merit as a novel, in mm. my opinion. Um, but there we are. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, this year, obviously, they went for something with really innovative form. But, uh, I don't know, I, I think it was a bit of a shame that it wasn't Ali Smith. I think she's, she's so brilliant. And I think this is the fourth time she's been shortlisted. Well, eventually that's going to start to... Yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, calling it an innovative form, if you're doing something new now in... The, you know, the, that sort of form of writing or anything, it's not easy to do. No, that's so very got, true. Yeah, and if the product as a whole leaves you feeling moved or admired or in a particular way, then then that is worth crediting, I think. Yes. Mm. I mean, you might have noticed we're sort of dancing around this slightly because I don't think either of us have actually read it. No, it's been a bit hectic in my in my terms of reading. Uh, lots of things I've been reading that I can't talk about, which is not great when you're hosting a books podcast. 
moaning about what you've been reading. <laughs> uh, but that's just the way publishing works, I'm afraid. Yeah, and I think also I've I've not been reading anything particularly heavy just lately because it is such a busy time of year in publishing. Uh, and I've just wanted something that's really escapist. Mm. So, yes, um, people who may not know publishing obviously all the big books now are coming out for christmas we've had our super thursday i believe yep. i've still got although i think there are about four this year there was yes. so there was so many big books all spread out spread out, spread out yeah i don't know what that accent was sorry yeah. um spread out over about i don't know three three or four thursdays yeah. actually um but i think that's that's pretty much to, like all the really big books now um, that are sort of the Christmas gift type books, I think, are pretty much out there. I've still got two of my titles that were published in November, and then I think that is it. I don't know if many books will come out between November and It's Christmas. normally extremely quiet, end of November, beginning of December, so, um, yeah, there we are. Yeah, yeah. no, we've, we've talked about Super Thursday before, and um, if you want to find out a bit more about the idea of Super Thursday, yeah, just have a look through our, our past podcasts, but, um, I mean, essentially, we've had this big glut now of lots of um, autobiographies and biographies, all the really big um, kind of novels that people might buy each other for Christmas and the kind of Dan Brown and that kind of thing. That's all out now. So, there's yeah, there's not much more of that kind of thing to come. Mm. But it just means that actually for us, unlike retail, it's not December and then the beginning of January with January sales that's really, really busy. It's actually October. And, or end of end of September, beginning of October, getting everything ready for that. So hopefully it'll calm down a little bit for us now. Let's put our violins away. Yeah, where is us? <laughs> um, so yes, we're gonna. I think we're gonna get to that book of winner. Yeah. Um, probably I might settle down over Christmas and read that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of reading, Kate's got a drum roll. Yes. Announcement. Um, we're not not going to do a sound effect. No. Um, so this literally just came from a a sort of quick exchange on Twitter but um, I am one half of two people who've decided to start a real life book club so the Twitter and also the Facebook page is called Odds Bookskins which is O-double-D-S Bookskins um, and it's if you were to google that on Facebook uh, google that on Facebook that's not a thing if you were to search for that on Facebook, you'd get the Facebook page, or, or if you search for that on Twitter, you'd get our Twitter account. And if you were to Google that, what, what, t- tell us the name. Why? Um, it's it's sort of a Shakespearean swear word, but with books instead of bods. Right. Okay. There, you know, it just yeah. and no one had the Twitter handle, so. You're securing your brand name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we thought that it would be nice to have a book club in London. Um, so yes, this is London-based, um, a monthly book club uh, that discusses a whole range of different sort of genres of books. We picked a few to get us going, um, but other than that, kind of pretty traditional book club type arrangement. And it's, yeah, a monthly meeting. We thought we'd give it a go meeting at the South Bank Centre for the first one, because that's pretty easy for most people in London to get to. Uh, and our first book is going to be The Good People by Hannah Kent. 
Mm. So there we are. Um, but if you want to find out any more about that, um, we'll share the Twitter from Adventure with Words Twitter. Um, and yeah, we were on Twitter and Facebook. And our first meeting is the 14th of November, which is a Tuesday. So there Indeed. we are. Well, uh, that's all for this week. Um, if you'd like to follow me during the week, you can follow me at Rob Chilver on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And if you want to follow me during the week, particularly on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at magic underscore kitten. And I'm also keeping a record um, on Goodreads, as per usual, of all of the various things that I'm reading. Um, I've just read all of the Lockwood & Co books. It's one of my sort of escapist reads that I mentioned. Absolutely love them. So there we are. And we've done this the wrong way around, but if you'd like to send us an email, <laughs> send us uh, an email at contactadventuresofwords.com. You can follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can send us a tweet at Word Adventures. And uh, if you like what we're up to, please do leave us a review and um, star rating on iTunes as it helps us find new listeners. It certainly does. Um, next weekend, we will probably have a chat to you about some Halloween reads. Um, Indeed. But until then, farewell. Mm-hmm.